Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entree Architect Podcast, episode 87. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Once you have all your fundamentals in place, your branding is nailed, your marketing is set up, your sales system is bringing in consistently new work, you're going to start getting busy. You're going to need some help. This week on the Entree Architect Podcast, I will share my thoughts on how to hire your first employee. This episode of the Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by the Entree Architect Report. That's my free weekly newsletter. Subscribe at entrearchitect.com slash newsletter. So our, our new firm is humming along, or, or maybe it's not such a new firm. Maybe you've been in business for a long time, but, but you're, you've been doing this all by yourself. And you've learned how to eliminate the unnecessary and automate the tasks where technology might be of service. We've established our target market and we've built a strong brand. Our systems are all in place and the phone is ringing off the hook with new work. But we can't get it all done. We have too much to do. 
it's just us. We have no employees. And I've shared before how to get things done on your on personal productivity. And uh, you can check out getfocusedcourse.com for information on how to get things done on a personal level. But it's time. It's time to get get some help. It's time to, to hire somebody. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about hiring your first employee. So after you, you, you know, after the, the first leap to start your own firm, that big decision to start your own firm, hiring your first employee might be the most frightening thing after taking that first leap to start your own firm. Who do we hire? Where do we find them? What will they do? And when we do finally find the right person, what next? What are the steps that we need to make someone an employee? I was, when, when I was at this point at Five Cat Studio, when I was ready to hire somebody uh, to help us, it was just Anne-Marie and me. Anne-Marie was designing and, and I was running the business. We need to hire the right person. And we've made many, many, many mistakes when we made this first hire. We hired for the wrong reason. We hired the wrong people. We, we had to fire people because we hired the wrong people. And so today I wanted to share the lessons that I've learned. And I, and, and, um, I put together 12 rules for hiring your first employee so you don't make the mistakes that I made. So the 12 rules for hiring your first employee. Number one, first Build your systems. Your systems are the most important thing. We've talked about this before. You need to put together um, the, 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 the detailed documentation on how we do it here. Uh, you need an operations manual for the role that you want to hire for. You want to, to clearly understand yourself how you do the work you do. Uh, and put together in a written documentation on how you do that. And so that's the first step. Before you even start looking for an employee, before you do anything else, the first step is to get prepared. And you get prepared by building your systems. You need to have your marketing systems and your sales systems and your CAD systems and your and your uh, answering the telephone systems and how you open the office systems and all of everything that you do should be documented. And so the first rule in hiring your first employee is to build your systems first. Number two, hire for a role, not a task. So we may get frustrated in the things we're doing and, and maybe need somebody to draft, right? And that, that's very often the first thing that you think you need. You, you want to uh, design, you want to hand it to somebody and have them draft. But drafting is a task. You want to hire a role. You want to understand, um, you want to hire a person to come in and take over a section of the things you do. You have many hats as a, as a sole proprietor or small firm architect. You are doing everything. And each one of those hats is a different role. And so you need to take one of those hats with a documented system and hand it to somebody else. So what role do you need most? To, to, uh, to replace. Now, that's a very tricky question. I want you to start by focusing on your strengths. What are you good at? And then hire to fill in your weaknesses. 
that may not be the task that you thought you wanted to hire for. But in the long run, you're going to hire the right person if you focus on your strengths and hire to fill in your weaknesses. Um, for your first hire, this is another rule. This is actually not a rule, but this is a tip. For your first hire, and this is a mistake I made, hire the highest level person you can afford. And I know all you interns are listening and hearing me say that, the more established firms will hire you. A sole proprietor or a very small firm that's going to start with their first hire should not be an intern. It should not be a draftsman. It should be the highest level that you can afford. You want to be able to take one of your major roles, one of your hats that you're wearing, and hand it to somebody else, show them how to do it, and trust that they're going to get it done. And that's very hard to do with somebody who has no experience. So you want to hire at the highest level of experience that you can afford. So number two is hire for a role, not a task. And that that's all in there. So make sure you understand the role that you want to hire for. Make sure you understand your strengths. You want to hire for your weaknesses to fill in where your weaknesses are and hire at the highest level of experience that you can afford. Number three. Now, when you're looking for the right person, number three, the, the third rule is ask your local networks for referrals. Everybody always asks me at Entree Architect, where do I find the right person? Well, I've tried many different places. I've, I've hired good people on Craigslist. I've hired good people from the online uh, job boards like monster.com and other, other job boards. Um, Newspapers, you know, I'm pretty sure newspapers still have want ads in them. I'm not sure anybody's using them anymore. Um, but you should be building your social media network. I've been talking about this as well. Um, and you have a local network. And I believe the best people come from your local network, your AIA meetings, and the, and the relationships that you're building and sharing with other architects, those trusted connections that you've made, your local network is the best place to find the right person because you're going to describe what you need, your role that you've decided that you're going to hire from step two, rule two. Um, you're going to say, okay, this is the role that I want to fill. Do you know somebody who can fill that? And that person, the people that you trust can then say, oh, I know that person. That's a perfect position for this person. And that will get you much further along in the hiring process than shooting in the dark with an ad in Craigslist or monster.com or some other social media uh, network. So ask your local network for referrals is number, uh, number three. Number four, you probably heard other people say this and I'm going to repeat it. Number four is hire slow and fire fast. This is a lesson that I've learned over the years. You need to take your time when hiring an employee. An employee is going to, you're going to, it's going to become one of your most expensive expenses. It's going to be one of your highest expenses is payroll. And so you do not want to make a mistake here. And you also want to make sure that you're planning out your hiring. And so you're not in the, you're not hiring based on urgency. You're seeing the work coming down the line and that you, you're hiring for the work coming, coming your way. Uh, so hire slow and fire fast. This requires more than one interview. 
You should not just, you know, schedule an interview, have them come in, check off the boxes. Oh, I like this person and send them, you know, uh, an invitation to, uh, to come join your team. Should be more than one interview. The first interview is sort of a get to know you meeting. They should come in, they should do all of their things that they need, show you the resume, talk about, you know, the typical interview questions, you know, at a table, face to face, one on one. Um, then a second interview might be uh, a spending a day with you. You know, come in, hang out with me for a little while. I'll take you on a tour of all our work. I'll show you all our projects. I'll show you the contractors, introduce you to the contractors. Um, take, take them on a tour. Spend the day with them. Buy them lunch. You want to get to know these people. Again, this may, this may be a big investment of your time in this one day of, of spending time with somebody you may not hire. But this is going to bring out the real personality in these people. You can have conversations with them and really understand who they are and where they're coming from because you want to make sure that they are compatible with you. Um, you want to share your vision and share your mission for your firm with them, which you should already have in your business plan. Explain to them why you're doing what you're doing and make sure they understand that and make sure that they are compatible with your future plans and your mission and your vision. They may have a very different idea of where they want to be and where they want to go. And if, and if what you're describing doesn't work with them, then they're not the right person for you. Uh, and you want to make sure that your personalities are compatible. You don't want to sit down with somebody for lunch and feel uncomfortable being with them uh, just because of their personality, just because of, it's not compatible with yours. So you need to take your time with this. You need to take your time in hiring. Number four is hire slow. And fire fast. You know, the fire fast part is sort of the other end. Once you do hire somebody, if you know you made a mistake, you need to get rid of them quickly. Uh, and don't waste your time uh, trying to make things work when you know they're not going to work. So number four is hire slow, fire fast. Number five, perform a background check. This could be as simple as uh, a Google search, check social media. Uh, I have an employee contact information form that I have them fill out. And it asks their name and their, their, their legal name, so you understand what their legal name is, their birthday. You ask for their social security number and their driver's license number, um, their permanent address, maybe a temporary address if they're living somewhere else that's not a permanent location, their phone numbers, so their home phone number and their mobile telephone number, their email addresses, um, maybe social media addresses, maybe their Twitter handle and things like that you can check out. Um, and uh, also on this forum for me, it also asks where they learned about 5Cat Studio, where they, where they find me, how did I find them? Uh, that way I can record that in my own documentation and where I found them. And over time, I'll know where I found my best employees. Um, but that allows us to you know find them on Google, do the social media check, and possibly do uh, paid background checks. I never did paid background checks, but it's certainly a good idea to possibly do a credit check and a criminal check um, on potential employees working for your firm. People who you're going to trust with your um, with your other employees and your, uh, your clients. And so make sure you understand who you're hiring. So number five is perform a background check. Number six is use key results areas maybe also known as KRAs. You may have heard Dave Ramsey, the author of Entree Leadership and other books, 
um, has a great podcast as well. Um, he talks about key results areas. It is a one page or maybe at most two page document that describes uh, the results you want from your employee. So it talks about the role that you're hiring for, but then the results, specifically what do you want this person to accomplish? Uh, this is becomes a document that you both re- review and agree on. Um, it sort of manages expectations so your employee very clearly understands not only the role they're taking on, but but what are the results of that role? How are you going to judge their performance uh, uh, performing that role? And that is where the key results area uh, document comes in. Um, it, like I said, you both sign it and you can use it later when you, after you hire somebody, um, you can use it in their reviews, in their performance reviews. You can pull out the key results area document and say, here are the agreed upon results. It's either yes or no. They either uh, accomplished those results or did not accomplish those results. So you can talk about you know, how they performed uh, in a positive manner, that yes, you've met those results, or here's how uh, you can better meet those results. And so using key results areas documents uh, are very useful when uh, when hiring an employee. That's number six. Number seven. Number seven is prepare an employee agreement. So this is your legal contract that you're going to use when you're hiring an employee. It, it includes the the uh, the rules of the firm it uh, it starts out sort of identifying the firm and who the firm is and who the principals are of that firm and then it it could list the rules of the firm so maybe the rules are sort of like a contact with clients must be with the knowledge of the firm direction from clients is to be recorded and kept on file so that's a rule of my firm uh, another rule might be Formal meetings are to have meeting minutes, which must be circulated to all participants. So things like this, things that you expect from your employee, it is a rule of the firm. These are the way we do business at a very uh, general way. Smoking is not permitted in the studio. That's sort of a rule that you can have in your rules of the firm. Um, You can have uh, a policy on uh, radios and stereos and the music in your studio. Uh, you can have uh, information about alcohol and drugs and sexual harassment. This is where those things should be documented um, uh, that you know drug abuse is not tolerated uh, and is a reason for dismissal. Sexual harassment is not tolerated and is a reason for dismissal. And so these things, this is a place where you can have your employee policies documented uh, and signed as you're hiring somebody. This is also the place where you document your work hours. And if you're having, if you have flexible hours or, or you're working as a virtual studio, this is the agreement that describes how that process works and the expectations that you have of your employees. Um, this is the place where your dress code, if you have a dress code and you should have a dress code, even if it's a casual dress code, it should be documented that uh, this is the way we expect to be dressed when we're in the studio and this is the way we expect to be dressed when we're meeting with clients this is the way we expect to be dressed when we're on site with a contractor that should all be documented Um, and then also the employee benefits like vacation time and paid holidays and personal time and uh, military or jury duty 
uh, health insurance, life insurance, retirement investment programs, reimbursable travel expenses, bonuses, uh, salary review periods, all of that is in this uh, employee agreement. Uh, you talk about the fam- Family and Medical Leave Act in this employee uh, employee document. Uh, if you have a leave of absence, you can have a, uh, a documentation on how that works. Uh, and it should also include the terms for termination of an employee um, and uh, your ability to revise your employee agreement whenever you want to. Uh, so it's listed here in your in your document. And this is a document that is then signed and printed uh, and put into your files for um, the case if you need to review that with your employee, you have it. It covers you legally. Um, and I highly recommend that you have your uh, attorney review your employee employee agreement. Make sure that it's compatible with local laws and state laws and, and federal laws. Uh, make sure that you're not putting anything there in there that makes total sense to you, but may be against the law. So make sure when you do prepare an employee agreement, which you absolutely should, um, but make sure that it is uh, reviewed by your attorney and that they uh, that it is, is legal. Um, you should also have a date of issue. So if you do revise it, then you know that uh, you have a date. Uh, you know, it's, it, it identifies it as the most recent um, date of issue. So number seven is prepare an employee agreement. So let's review so far. Number one is build your systems first. Number two is hire for the role, not for a task. Number three is ask your local network for referrals. Number four is hire slow and fire fast. Number five is perform a background check. Number six is use key results areas. Number seven is prepare an employee agreement. And number eight is complete tax documents. So make sure that once you uh, you have you found the right person and you have uh, the key results areas reviewed and you have the employee documents, uh, your employee agreement all taken care of, you need to complete all the tax documents that are required for your local jurisdiction and your state and your federal. So things like the I-9, the I-9 is your employment uh, eligibility verification is a federal document that uh, you should have your employees complete to confirm that they are actually eligible to be working uh, in your state and in the United States. Um, The W-2, everybody knows the W-2, that is the wage and tax statement. There is a form that you fill out to confirm the way you want uh, or the way your employee wants your withholding to be managed. Um, And so documents like that, I I don't know all of the forms that you need, uh, but I, again, I, I, Make sure that you consult your CPA or your tax attorney and confirm that you have all your bases covered here because these are legal binding documents that you are required as an employer to, uh, to, to have completed and have on file. And so make sure that you've completed all your tax documents for your, your county, your state, and your federal uh, jurisdictions. So that's number eight. Number nine, start with a trial period. So when I hire people, and I haven't hired people in a long time because now we're a virtual uh, studio, so we're working with a lot of uh, freelance consultants, but um, when I brought on new employees, 
I started with a trial period. So and I finally found the right person and I wanted to hire them. Uh, I hired them, but it, w- it was with an agreement that uh, they were going to have a trial period, sort of a probation period. And it's and it's two ways. It's intended to um, to to confirm compatibility. So maybe it's two weeks long, maybe it's up to 30 days long, um, but it should be documented and agreed upon so everybody understands that this is, this is the period of trial. Um, and it's sort of a shadow period, so they can see and hear what you're doing and you can see and hear what they're doing. Um, you work very closely and, and you're sort of teaching them on the job. Uh, in addition to your operations manual and your systems, you're sort of showing them the way. Um, and it is also with an understanding that either party can terminate the agreement for any time, uh, for any reason after this trial period, that, that this is a trial period. And if it doesn't work out, whether it's personality or whether it's just the wrong job uh, or you're filled the wrong role, this is the agreement that you um, have the opportunity to terminate the agreement uh, or they can also terminate the agreement at this period at the end of this trial period. Um, it's just a way to make sure that you're hiring the right person. It gives you an opportunity to double check after you thought you've hired the right person to make sure that you have indeed hired the right person and confirm that you want to make this a permanent employment uh, condition. Again, consult your attorney to make sure that whatever you're doing here with the trial period and hiring and firing is all within your legal bounds. So make sure that you check your attorney Uh, as well with your trial period. Your trial period should also be in your employee agreement. So when they hire, when they sign it, they understand that they're uh, working as a trial period for a certain amount of time. That's number nine. Start with the trial period. Number 10, we're getting close to the end here. Number 10. So once you've hired them and you've gone through all of this craziness with tax documents and employee agreements and all this stuff and you've and you've done the trial period and you've found your savior you found the person who's going to help you they're going to take over one of your roles and they're going to become part of your team number 10 is welcome them to the team so after all of this trial period and it's temporary make it official you want to to uh, have a, a specific event maybe take them to lunch or or uh, just you know, have a formal meeting with them and welcome them to the team. Also, I recommend writing them a letter, um, a welcome to the team letter that that you know says you know we're really happy that you're with us and um, you know we're looking forward to working with you. And it's sort of just a formal uh, document that they can keep for their records uh, and just sort of formally identifies them as a member of your team. Um, and and gets uh, uh, gets them on on starting off on the right foot. Um, it it's also um, once you've hired them and you've w- welcomed them to the team, you also want to in your own schedule on your calendar, you want to document their start date because that later on um, will be very very good for acknowledging their anniversaries. So a one-year anniversary, you can have um, an acknowledgement that they've been with you for one year, five-year anniversary, 10-year anniversary. These are things that you should celebrate as a firm that this person has been with you for a year. This person has been with you for five years, 10 years. 
So the only way you can do that is to document their start date on your calendar so it pops up a year from now. So once you welcome them to the team, then document your start date and acknowledge those anniversaries. Number 11, after you've hired them and they're working with you and they're on the team, schedule reviews. So make this formal, um, well, formal in your system, in your personal system. Uh, I recommend scheduling quarterly reviews that are sort of casual check-ins, you know, where you maybe take them out to lunch or or go for a walk and just say, how are you doing? Um, and that doesn't need to be sort of scheduled, uh, you know, um, uh, it should be like on a quarterly basis, but it's not as formal as a formal performance review. It's sort of just a way to make sure that you're checking in. So schedule those on your calendar, put those on your calendar that this is the period, you know, every quarter I'm going to schedule a time to meet with this new employee uh, and just check in, make sure they're good um, with you, make sure they're good with your employees or your other employees maybe, or your clients. Uh, make sure that everything's working out well with them personally. Make sure they're happy. You know, this is a time to just check in. Make sure that that from, you know, human to human, you know, things are good. Do that on a quarterly basis. Just make sure everything's, uh, you know, running well. And then a more formal annual performance review should be done. So this is also scheduled, a scheduled performance review. This is where you use the key results areas and you sit down and have a formal meeting uh, you talk about the good things they're doing. You talk about the things that need improvement. Uh, this is an opportunity to, for you to review salaries and maybe talk about bonuses or some sort of uh, profit sharing. Those formal reviews uh, once a year. But make sure you do those things. Make sure you do a performance review because this is really important to the employee. Um, the morale of your employees will go down dramatically if you do not have these scheduled annual performance reviews and the quarterly casual performance reviews will help build the morale because they'll know that you care. Um, and so these are very, very important. Number 11, schedule reviews. Don't just, don't just say you're going to have them and don't just put them in your systems, schedule them on your calendar. Make sure there's a date and a time to have each one of these reviews. Uh, as soon as you hire them, they should be in your calendar. And number 12, the final rule for how to hire is build your culture. Your firm culture is established with your first employee. So make sure that, number one, you're hiring the right person. Make sure that they are compatible with the culture that you want to build. That that the culture, as you build, as you build your firm and you hire more people, the people you hire are going to, going to um, solidify that culture that you want to be established. And so... Um, that first employee is going to do that. So make sure that with everything you do, that everything you're doing, uh, the way you're communicating and how you want your employee to act uh, and perform and and how you want that employee to, to communicate to the outside world, to your clients and to, to uh, contractors and to potential clients, uh, to p- people in their, in their social circles. You want to make sure that um, that your story is being told, your branding is being told, that your that your culture that you want to establish in your firm happens with that first employee. So make sure you understand that and that you're cultivating that. So number 12 is build your culture. So that's it. Those are your 12 rules for hiring your first employee. Number one is build your systems first. Number two is hire for a role, not a task. Number three is ask your local network for referrals. Number four is hire slow and fire fast. 
Number five is perform a perform a perform a background check. Number six is use key results areas. Number seven is prepare an employee agreement. Number eight is complete tax documents for your county and state and federal. Number nine is start with a trial period. Number 10 is welcome them to the team. Number 11 is schedule reviews. Get them on your calendar. And number 12 is build your culture. So I hope that helps. I hope you can learn from the lessons that I've learned. Um, Use these 12 rules for hiring your first employee and maybe your next employee. Maybe you have 10 employees already and maybe this list will help you uh, find the next right person for your small firm. If you would like to leave a review for this show, please go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. Or in iTunes, if you just find yourself there, just search for Entrepreneur Architect and my name will pop up. My little logo will be there waiting for you to send a review to the rest of the world about Entre Architect Podcast. But even more important to me is that you share this with everybody you know. Share with a friend. Because... We're only growing because you are sharing. So go to your email right now. Send the link to entrearchitect.com slash episode 87. Send the link for that link, entrearchitect.com slash episode 87. Send it to everybody you know. Send it to all your architect friends. Send it to all your non-architect friends. Anybody who might want to listen to my voice talk about architecture and business and all the things that go in between it. Share a tweet. Put it on Facebook. Get the word out. I appreciate your support so much for what I'm doing. And I thank you for spreading the word about EntreeArchitect.com and the Entrepreneur Architect podcast. Show notes and a link to download this very special, unique episode of the Entrepreneur Architect podcast may be found at EntreeArchitect.com slash episode 87. And just a reminder, when you subscribe to the Entree Architect report, that's my free weekly newsletter. I'll send you a short, easy-to-read email every Friday morning with a direct link to both the weekly blog article and each of these weekly podcast episodes so you won't miss a thing. So you won't even have to subscribe on iTunes or anything. That's just a little secret. You could just reserve your spot on your free weekly email, and I will send you a link. I'd like you to subscribe on iTunes as well, but if you don't want to do that, just subscribe to the newsletter. And I'll send you a link every week. And I'll also talk about sort of my behind the scenes life as a small firm entrepreneur architect. If you're not already a subscriber to the newsletter, you can quickly sign up at entrearchitect.com slash newsletter. That's easy to remember. entrearchitect.com slash newsletter. And before we go, I'm going to share my quote of the week. This one is by Mark Twain. 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than the ones that you did do. So throw off the bow lines, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, discover. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. See you next week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.